We started off at midnight to see lots of birds. Big days are different because we're a bunch of nerds. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts in anything that we discuss that might be controversial. We want you to remember there are our own opinions and they might be different from yours. So how about we just start off by not talking about warblers because uh seems like everybody's seen warblers. So I don't want to talk I, about it. I haven't even seen a yellow rumped yet. <laughs> we, <laughs> we saw an orange crown in the backyard a couple yeah. days ago, but I haven't seen a yellow rumped yet. And we're May 3rd. But we did have a black headed <laughs> grosbeak, so I was really excited about that. Oh my gosh, that. that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, I just uh, like looked out the window out of the bathroom and I was like, black headed grosbeak! Oh my gosh! Yeah, so it's super super exciting. We are we are getting migrants. We are getting yeah. things, and um, we're just uh, it's it's coastal, so we don't re- generally get that many warblers, anyways. But I did hear that yeah, birds were, were pretty good um, at the two festivals that we intended on going to that we missed. Yes, um, Birdius uh, Week or Birdius Festival mm-hmm. and uh, Featherfest. Yes, both both of which posted um, some big some big numbers, and they were like, "Oh, we haven't finished collating, but it looks like we have one of our biggest years." And it's like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe we missed! <laughs> can't believe we missed!" It. Like the weather the weather looked like it was a little iffy. Oh, it looked but... like it was awful. But that that brought the birds in. Yeah, that that, that grounded birds that uh, that created um, weather events that made it good for seeing large numbers of species. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so um, there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just getting into some stuff. We want to remind you that the global big day is on May thirteenth. It's also Migratory Bird Day. Yes, it is. Um, but we will be doing a global bird or a global big day team like we have in the past. So if you haven't had a chance to sign up, you can go on our website and sign up. You can also just like us on our, our you know, like the event on our Facebook page or say you're attending. Yeah, just comment or something. Let and us it, know. It's just, it's really, it's so easy. You just make an eBird checklist on May 13th and then you um, share it with our team group, which is Go Birding Team on eBird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, that gets added to our team numbers. So please, uh, if you get a chance, you can be on multiple teams too. So if you're going to be on the Suaro team or something like that, you can also be on our team. Um, uh, the more the merrier so we hope you will get a chance to get out and bird on may 13th it's also like i said migratory bird day and we will be down in um just south of us a little bit on the oregon coast at the halem community land trust migratory bird day so i'm really excited about that yeah the the nonprofit down there is putting on a kind of a migratory bird day festival situation it's there's gonna be a number of uh, big sits across their uh their property there we're going to be doing a hand, leading a handful of walks. There's going to be some presentations. I think there's some other nonprofits that are boothing some stuff throughout the day. So it's going to be it's going to be an event. So if you're in the in your North Oregon coast area, um, <laughs> on May 13th, see. stop by stop by and see us in the Halem. Yeah, and, it'll be fun. Um, I might try to do a, a Facebook Live if I have cell phone service and if there's this, good birds around. I think the so. cell phone service was mediocre enough. Like it was good enough to to do some streaming stuff there. So when maybe we were there the last time. Maybe we'll give that a try. Yeah, maybe just from the top of the hills. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, so something I wanted to talk about really short. Um, in no way an advertisement at all. Um, so I literally was scrolling through Facebook the other day and I saw this thing called HookPod. That's uh, it. It affects us on here on the coast um, because we have l- a large fishing industry um, just north of us. Um, but I saw it posted by uh, BirdLife South Africa, and it was all about this this really really ingenious invention that not only benefits fishermen by not losing their bait um, to birds but also benefits birds by not getting hooked and dragged under and drowned. That's um, so it's a really, really cool thing um, that I thought was super cool for longline fishermen. It's this device. It's called HookPod. Um, it has a uh, pressure relief valve on it. So when the bait and everything is inside a pod with the hook, and as soon as it gets down to a certain depth, the pressure relief with the pressure around it releases and then that activates the LED. So for some for some fish, uh, things like out here we have squid that they fish with using lights. Um, but some things require the light to then draw in other smaller fish to then get attracted to their to their bait. All that is super really cool. I, super really cool. Anyways, I, I thought it was super cool. Um, you know, when I first saw that on there, I thought it was like a fishing podcast that you wanted oh. to talk about. <laughs> no, it, it was. It's really. It's. It's something that's conservation related that helps, that's going to help 
birds if the, if it gets implemented and then a, a great way a great observer a great uh, example of um, conservation working with fishermen that they they have this particular need that they're they're getting bycatch they that where it was developed they're getting a lot of um, albatross bycatch the albatross uh-huh. and the petrels will dive and try to grab the bait as yeah. it, as it's as it's, the bait's diving down with the weight mm-hmm. and then they'd end up pulling in and the bird is worth zero dollars it's worth money and fines they get they get in trouble for catching birds but it doesn't benefit them to hook a bird in any way the the, the fish down there aren't eating the birds like that, that doesn't yeah. attract more fish it's it's literally just a waste and so by protecting the bait with this thing not only is it keeping the birds off of it but it also gets gets that bait down to where it needs to be and it mm-hmm. makes it more useful huh interesting i thought it was really interesting <laughs> that's, um, why, that's why I put it in the notes of stuff we should say. <laughs> so other birding news is that, of course, you know, North America has lost 3 billion birds since 1970. We've, you know, all seen the article, I'm sure, about that. And uh, there's a no, new book coming out about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news is that there's many solutions within our reach. Uh, Bring Back Birds is a podcast from Bird Note about the wonderful world of birds and the ways we can all help them. Join host Tanija Hamilton as she speaks with bird enthusiasts from different backgrounds, identities, and communities to learn how we can bring birds back. Listen today wherever you get your podcasts. And so that is coming back. Everybody loves Bring Birds Back, and we're excited to hear that it's it'll be out soon. Yeah, and, and so there's there's already been a season season one out. Um, so that that was that was really interesting, and we're coming out. Season two is going to be released soon. It's, it's in the middle of May. Yeah, middle of May. So we're 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 coming up. Season two is going to be coming out real soon. So um, look look for that. So Hannah has two other podcasts. Um, we we speak about this all all the all the time. Every episode we mention this. Um, she's got Women Birders Happy Hour and yep. Bird Nerd Book Club that are alternating weeks in between this episode coming out so um next week is a women birders happy hour correct that's right yes and so i'm really excited i haven't recorded with petra yet but i'm really excited to chat with her Mm -hmm. she um works for zeiss and we met her when we were in israel and you know she's just somebody that i've always wanted to get the chance to talk to (laughs) uh started following her on instagram and all that stuff so i'm really excited for that episode um that'll be out on may 11th and then also the bird nerd book club i just had my last episode come out and that was with Julia Zarinkin and I just finished her book so <laughs> I did that in the wrong order this time but um, <laughs> you, you had only read part of the book by the time you interviewed her so. yeah I'll do better in the future <laughs> um, but it was so fun to read her book after chatting with her so I encourage you to check out her book uh, but this next episode that I have of the Bird Nerd Book Club comes out on May 25th and it is the field guide to North American flycatchers and pinnacks and peewees with Cinti Lee and it was illustrated by Andrew Burt and Eric joined me for that interview. Yeah, it was. I think it was a great interview. It was yeah. fun. So yeah, if, if you're interested in hearing their insight about um, how the book came together and all of that stuff, and kind of some in, some, we we talked we talked talked a little bit about the particulars of the book itself, and mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of the discussion was how did they come up with all that stuff. So it was really cool. So May 25th is when that one comes out. So in, in three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try, uh, trying to do math of how many weeks that is away from today. <laughs> so Eric, we're going to some places soon. We are, yeah. So in a couple of months, um, we are going to Global Bird Fair, Woo-hoo. um, in Rutland, UK. Super excited about that. Um, we just got an email from one of the organizers that um, she's trying to put together some podcasting stuff. So I think we are arranged. No schedules have been set yet, but they will have a professional audio engineer there with a booth that they'll have everything set up, so we don't have to bring any equipment, which will be nice. Um, but they'll have there's a variety of bird podcasters that are that are going to be there and um she wanted to kind of get a schedule set up and get it on get it all written down of like oh um casual birder is going to be interviewing so-and-so at three o'clock and Hannah Nergo birding's interviewing so-and-so at four o'clock and yeah so it'll be like part live podcast yeah. part like for those who are at the festival but also part um just podcasts that we can then you know bring to you all being professionally recorded so that's pretty exciting <laughs> a little intimidating yeah we'll, we'll 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 see how using professional level equipment and having an audio engineer <laughs> managing levels will will change how this all all comes out but yeah super excited about that um i don't know how many interviews we'll be able to get out of that um situation but i'm super excited to get to global bird fair anyways yeah. not even not even the podcasting booth aside is super cool but getting getting out there it's a really it's a really large event it's 
we keep hearing is still not as large as what it was prior to um, prior to COVID and then the whole the restart that it's got. But I'm anticipating looking at the vendor list so far that's on there. It looks like it's going to be bigger this year than last year. I'm so excited about it. It was a lot I'm, of fun last year. I'm excited. Year. We're maybe maybe we'll get closer to where it was when it was just UK Bird Fair. We'll, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited to see this. Yeah, and then also, you know, we kind of have tentatively the Women's Birder Conference in Uganda in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so still, you know, kind of in a holding pattern on that and look forward to bringing more information about that. Yeah, as, soon that. As, as soon as we know more. Exactly. So that's kind of what we got on tap in the future. Um, but right now we want to tell you about the May Bird Nerd Giveaway. Yeah, so this is the first episode in May. So as you guys all know, first episodes of the month, um, we announce a new giveaway. So this month, we are going to be giving away um, a collection of stuff from Fat Bird Design. So Fat Bird Design, him has been following them on uh, Instagram for... Yeah, for a while. Uh, yeah, a while now. Um, and they have the cutest stickers and magnets and postcards and buttons and mm-hmm. lots of other fun stuff. And Mary is a designer, an illustrator, a maker of nature-themed ephemera for adventures and adventurers of all sizes. So we're so excited to collaborate with Mary on <laughs> this. Um, I can't wait to see what prizes she's put together because it's <laughs> going to be a surprise for us what the, the winner gets. Uh, but our deadline for this is May 16th. So you can Instagram or Facebook or email or whatever um, us the answer to this question by May 16th. So Eric, what is our question? So we want to know what has birding inspired in you? So it's a very broad kind of general esoteric question about (laughs) what, what has birding inspired in you? Um, My initially we were thinking like this the fat bird design like birds have inspired her to create this this artwork this 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 line um, of fat bird design there's also there's also uh, people that have started designing clothes that are like oh i i written books written books and podcasts podcasts and and things that birding has inspired you to do and create inspired that creativity in you so kind of kind of that Take it where you want it. Take take it where you want. Yeah. So it it doesn't necessarily have to be something you're selling or something you're anything like that. If if it inspires you to listen, write music of some sort. I I don't know. Just if it inspires you to to do a thing, to be a better (laughs) partner or, you know, inspires you to work harder work or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, So So what has birding inspired in you? Doesn't have to be art. Every okay. everything's art though. It, it's your the expression of your emotions in a in a physical or a or a audible so, some sort of expression of your emotions as art. Like that's just that's, getting it out there. It's a very out of character statement for you. It is very out of character, but I mean it's like bird, like birds inspire inspire emotions, and then you turn around and exude those in some fashion, whether it be through podcast or speech or whatever whatever it is, drawings or. I can't wait yeah. to see what birding ex- forces people to exude from themselves <laughs> please don't send me those pictures <laughs> i'm just kidding um so anyways yeah may 16th is deadline so uh you know we talked about israel in our last episode mm-hmm. some of the pre-scouting stuff that we got to do like snorkeling and going to some of these really cool nature sites um but all of that was to support the champions of the flyway which we did have talked about, you know, a number of times. So we won't deep dive into that. But we just want to reiterate that Champions of the Flyway is this incredible effort that's been put together by BirdLife International to um, fundraise for conservation projects. And what is a better fundraiser than competition? Yes. So uh, the the goal of it is for teams to get together from, you know, within Israel and around the world uh, to fundraise for a specific conservation project. This year was Red-Breasted Goose. And teams fundraise for advance, in advance of the competition all the way through a month after the competition mm-hmm. day. And then teams come together in Israel. There's this section of Israel, the southern half, essentially, of Basically Israel. Basically the southern half, yeah. In which we do a big day. So this year, the big day was March 27th. Um, you had from midnight to midnight to... Ex- midnight to 11.59. Yeah. Uh, to explore that 
section of the playing field of Israel and see as many birds as you possibly could see. And so the prizes, of course, are for the team that's fundraised the most. Mm -hmm. There's a prize for the team that saw the most birds. And there's also a prize that has created the most buzz about the competition. And so that is a little rundown on what Champions is. Of course, a big day, you know, we do get a lot of questions about what is a big day. And essentially, a big day, um, they vary, right, from competition to competition. But this one specifically, like, it had that specific playing field. And you had 24 hours in which to see, you know, the most birds that you could possibly find during that. You don't have to get a picture, at least on most teams, you don't have to get a picture of it. It is, um, you know, kind of, uh, we, everybody has a, a certain level of, um, no credibility. Right. And so we all, (laughs) you don't want to lie because. Well, yeah. So to, to that, to that, to that uh, aim, I I see where you're going. So people generally, everyone knows in, in the birding community, if if you're relatively new to to the birding community, um, everybody has a level of credibility. Everybody knows who is the liar out there and who isn't the liar out there. And there's also reasonable birds. Like you, you may not be lying on purpose. You might be, you might have made a mistake an identification. Um, but there's a reasonable expected species in a particular, in a particular time. And there's lots of people that are birding in lots of places. Um, the having to get a photo, having to get evidence of things usually only applies when it's like a really exciting rare bird that nobody else is going to be getting on. Um, Champions of the Flyway gets around this um, to try to help help build credibility with people of, you don't have to get a photo if you can get a competing team also mm-hmm. on that same exact bird. Yeah. So for, for birds that are suspect, that are iffy, like if you say message out, which the chat is blowing up the day of constantly, the whole day, every five minutes, there's a message coming through. Um, you get another team to, you say, Hey, I saw X, Y, and Z bird, the super rare people, people will probably come over if it's super rare and super exciting, easy to see another team will probably come over. And if you help them get on that bird and they see that bird now two two competing teams have agreed that that's the identification of that bird, then it gets, it gets on your list. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the only thing that you win is like uh, a high five like yeah you saw the most species that's really that's really all, all you really win so there's no real reason to lie yeah we just, there, there's the risk of losing your credibility and then there's nothing to gain so. well we just yeah get asked so often by people who have never done these kind of events before like well how do you trust everybody's sightings and it's like well, like eric said because you don't have anything to there's nothing to gain to everything gain. to lose exactly so that's what essentially a big day is, right? <laughs> yeah. So in big, big day competitions, there's hundreds of hundreds of different types of comp- birding competitions. And it's all basically setting parameters to then test your birding skill, what you're able to find. So a big year around the whole country, a big year only around your county, a big week, a big day, a big day that only goes till noon. A big day that you're only stuck with an account. Like you can set any kind of weird random parameters you want. There was somebody did a um, we we talked um, we did a Facebook interview with them, but um, a somebody did a unicycling big year. Oh yeah. Where he only used a unicycle for transportation by foot or by unicycle, and that was it for an entire year. Um, it was the year of COVID. It was 2020. So he he made it to March, and then COVID really hit hard, and so he he ended up having to call it quits because of that. But the people set parameters for these things and and there are there's certain rules um some big days permit you to use playback most of them don't um this particular one does not allow playback also um, doesn't permit um, doesn't permit flashlights. flashlights you're not allowed to use flashlights to spotlight a bird mm-hmm. so if you see a bird in your headlights that's all that's all good but you can't go looking you, through the trees. You can't go walking through the trees looking for owls um, with with a, with a flashlight to try to see if you can find something. You can't do playback to call in the owls to get the owls to come in. So there's there's lots of different rules that they set around big days, and every single big day is is this a similar set of circumstances. So this that was kind of generally what was going on there. And Hannah mentioned that uh, you don't always have to get a picture. Uh, most of the time you don't have to get a picture, but my team. You, we, we you were, set more parameters on yourself. We, we, we were like, you know what? Let's make this more difficult. It's already, it's, it's too easy to just go out and go look at birds <laughs> for 24 hours after having not slept for three days. Like, let's, let's go, let's take this a step further. And so my, my team, uh, we were the co-scopers. Um, our 
parameter that we set. We had all the regular rules. Um, everyone on the team had to get on the bird at some point during the day. Everybody had to uh, stay together. We had couldn't uh, couldn't go deviate off and then come back together and compare lists. Um, we I guess that's another good point of uh, big days. Generally, you have to stay within like shouting distance of each e other. Exactly. Yeah. So. We, we had all these, these same, we couldn't spotlight, we couldn't use playback, um, but we also had to get an identifiable photo through a digiscope. So we had to use our phones or use a DSLR connected to a, um, a, a scope, spotting scope, a spotting scope or a binocular, using that as the actual lens to get an identifiable photo. And then that's the only, then and only then would the bird actually count towards our list for the day. So we set some extra parameters on ourselves that significantly reduced our total number but it, it, it added it added a level of challenge for us and it also added a, a level of fun of <laughs> like how how can we get this like we we couldn't like every other team started close to midnight yeah ish 2 a.m 1 a.m stuff like that we knew we weren't going to be able to get photos <laughs> at midnight so we were like oh well we'll start at four and we will then have two hours before sunrise to play around a little bit and see if we can get some stuff of some roosting goals and stuff like that. See if we can get some using ambient light, but, but we couldn't spotlight. So it wasn't going to do us any good. We got, we got some. Okay. Okay. Photos. Hang anyway, on. Anyway, hang anyway, on. anyway, so You're we, so we got straight to, into it. Yeah. So we, so we got to sleep in while everyone else started off uh, super early. Okay. So my team <laughs> was the co women and step who yes. I've competed with for three years. And, um, this year, I think we, I might've mentioned it in another episode, but this year I was really excited because we had Africa represented yes, on our another team. another continent for you Yes, guys. Patricia from Uganda, who we actually met when we were in Uganda. Yeah. She was able to join our team. And so we had Africa represented. We had, um, Asia represented, uh, you know, uh, North America and, uh, a couple, well, a couple areas in North America mm -hmm. represented. So... You know, we're the... You're, you're getting closer to every continent represented. That was my goal. <laughs> yeah. um, get, get one person from every continent, one, one, one woman from every continent represented on a single team together. Uh, but, yeah, so we are the first international all-women's team to compete in this competition, which uh, I'm pretty proud to be a part of. But anyways, we started uh, at 11.30... <laughs> because you weren't burning at 11 we weren't though. no you were you were traveling to your start location we were yeah so that was one of the differences this year versus last year is that you could start anywhere on the playing field at midnight so we decided to start at yopata to look for owls um and this was day three of like eric mentioned like sleep deprivation it had rained you know in a couple days before that so that changed how the playing field kind of looked and also i had a cold from you know, the lack of sleep and the travel and everything. So I it was like, like one of those situations where like, uh, they do the experiments on the unethical experiments on people where they're like, we're going to keep you awake for six days and see if you go crazy. <laughs> like that's, that's like kind of the process that we're in. This is well, day three of that process. On day three of that, you get a cold apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like I was a total dead weight the whole day. So I apologize to everyone on my team that I was probably the least helpful person. But anyways, um, I was the social media person at least. <laughs> That's true. You, you were posting like crazy on social media. Yeah. So um, we began, uh, like I said, at 1130 to get up to Yopata, which is, we've talked about in the past, is a really good place. They have an ice cream stand that everybody stops at, but they also have these really good fields behind mm -hmm. that you can hear owls at times. Um, it has changed a lot. The The field that had the owls, that's been turned into... Some kind of staging area for like, I don't know, it was all fenced off now. Well, it's a solar plant going in oh, there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a solar plant's going in there. It's the north the north side of that whole property is turning into a solar farm rather than it used to be uh, squashes and stuff like that, Yeah, I guess. So anyways, um, we didn't hear anything there, so we moved on to Lotan, which is a really good place for Eurasian Scops Owl. Um, which we ended up did getting, we ended up getting after, you know, visiting a couple different spots. We heard like one call, like off in the distance. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and I'm also very fortunate to have Alan on my team yeah. who is a, you know, phenomenal birder in Israel. So, you know, I trust anything she has to say <laughs> about bird calls. From there, we headed on to Stedbukur, which is um, a really good place for long-eared owl, which we didn't run into you guys this year, but last year we ran into you there. Yeah. And we ran into a couple other teams. But this year we actually had to, like, walk in through the 
houses. Oh, to, really? Yeah, because the owl was on the other side of uh, where it was from the year before. Huh, and, like, it was so weird walking through there because it was, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Or something like that. But, like, there were a ton of lights on in houses. At 1 in the morning. Yeah, at 1 in the morning. And these humongous snails, too. <laughs> like, like like the big Florida apple snails? No, they weren't that big. Oh. Um, but, I mean, they were, they were like, golf ball-sized. Huh. So, bigger than what we have here. Yeah. But Amy and I, Amy was one of the gals on my team, we noticed it, and we were like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and so we were, like, just dancing on the way out, trying to avoid Stepping all of on these them. snails. Yeah. Not fun. Uh, from there, we went up to Azus, which we had talked about in our last episode. Because Man, you guys that's... made a ton of progress. We did. At, at this point, just so everyone knows, I'm still sound asleep <laughs> at this point. I'm snoring up a storm, just dead asleep, while, while Hannah's racing around the country doing this. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we went up to Azus that we talked about in our last episode, which is just the most unusual place. It's just, like, this big barren field, like what you'd see, like, driving through Nevada. Mm-hmm. And there is just this random abandoned train car, you know, that's sitting on the side of, like, the road. And that's where the bird blind is, where you see the McQueen's Bustard. So, of course, we got out, got up to the there, and got the Bustard, nice. which was great. You guys got the Bustard at, in the dark like that? No, so by that time it was lighter. Oh, okay. All yeah, right, so right, like right, right. right at dawn was when we got up oh, there. Oh, so, so, so you guys got to a zoo's at dawn? Basically, Basically. yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm awake by this point then. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up and doing stuff by this We've point. We've been yeah. waiting all day for you to wake up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we got the McQueen's Bustard kind of off in the distance, okay. which was fun because there were some um, just random birders there that wanted to see it and so we got that oh, one nice. too and that's and that's that's a big thing like with this this whole competition like we are racing we are doing what we can to see all the birds we possibly can and jonathan and yoav and Alen and make a big deal that this is marketed as the world's friendliest bird competition mm-hmm. and if there and there, there was a few, there was a team last year they got to talking to about this but if you see something say something like you message it out you see something cool you message it out and if at the end of the day they're going through the list and they find some interesting birds on your list that you didn't message out they'll strike them from your list because yeah. you're like no your your job is to share this is friendly you the whole, go out there share it with people on the competition share it with people on social media share it with everybody you see out in the field like that's the whole point we're out here to have a good time and see birds lots of birds see the most birds but show everyone else the birds too. But in the spirit of that, like I got those guys on the bustard, yeah, and they scoped out the Caspian plover that oh. was across the way from us. All so right. they got us. There that you bird. go, one and one. Uh, so from there, we got a chucker also. So you know, good bird there. So we were headed off to Bear Time Grove, which mm-hmm. we talked about. You know, which is really just an, such an interesting place because it's these huge eucalyptus and uh, another species of tree that I'm not sure what they are, but. Yeah. Um, it's kind of in a low spot and a lot of people go camping in there, but on the way we got my lifer little owl, oh, which was nice. very exciting for me. And yeah. they look just like burrowing, burrowing owls. It's a burrowing owl in the Middle East. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, so that was really exciting. And we got to Bear Time Grove, you know, got a few other little things there, but the thing that I thought was really cool, stupid, but Lydia found a porcupine quill <laughs> and I was just like, I thought that was the coolest thing yeah. I've ever seen. Did you, did you hold it up? Like your, your picture with the condor feather did you hold it up next to your head no. and be like oh, and no. do the same face I took a picture of Lydia though holding it up. oh okay <laughs> but I just I've never seen a porcupine in real you know in the wild yeah. and so That's that was cool. that was really cool for me um and then on the way out of there uh there was a few youth teams that found a cypress warbler. Mm-hmm. And so we like get into a stop in yeah. the middle of the road looking for that. But yeah, no. we didn't end up finding it. Yeah. So the, this whole Izu's and, um, Yoroham Lake, those are like two northernmost points in the playing field, which you guys go to Yoroham next, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that, those are the two northernmost points. And that's kind of the rationale for champions of flyway going that far North the playing field going there is specifically to include those two spots. They're such good spots. They're really good spots for birding. And it, it really, it becomes a game changer and then it creates a, uh, situation where they force time management Mm -hmm. into the, into the game, into, into the day by having these two spots that are so far away with a lot of empty space in between that you have to find a way to utilize that empty space to either find birds in or to get through quickly without wasting too much time during prime birding time. Yeah, so, maximize your daylight. Ma- yeah, ma- maximize birds per hour in, in daylight. So 
it's th- those two spots. Like our our team didn't go up that far. So, mm-hmm. like like I said, I, I we slept in. We didn't get up till four. We started all the way down in a lot um, um, from the hotel at four. Left right around four ish. Um, I think four fifteen or so. We got to uh, the um, ear. Uh, the I- IBRCE, which we didn't actually go down to the I- IBRCE. We just kind of looked from up above, and we got our first photo of the day at 4.15 in the morning, um, two hours prior to sunrise. It was a flamingo. Um, it was actually a, a flock of flamingos down on the water, and we we kind of were hoping to get goals. That was the objective of that, and there were no goals <laughs> on, on that water. Um, we got an identifiable photo. You can tell that they're flamingos. It is not a uh, National Geographic cover photo. <laughs> it is not a photo that I would uh, sell someone to go hang on their wall. It's actually pretty, <laughs> pretty stunning though. Like, I mean, the the level of picture that y'all got yeah. with it being pitch black outside. Well, it, it's a combination. We're so we're using the ninety nine millimeter lens mm-hmm. um, scope. So you've got a very large um, diameter um, view objective lens that's gathering a ton of light, and then. Phones these days have just come so far that my, my phone has a has a night mode. My I have a Samsung Galaxy S21. Um, Jeff, our team leader, he has the newest iPhone. I can't remember what. 14. Is it a 14? Four, yeah, it's a 14, I think, that he has. And it has a night mode on it also. And the night mode of the iPhone is a little bit better than the night mode with the Samsung. And man, it it does like a three second shutter or two second shutter, whatever it is for the night mode. Yeah. And it gets some spectacular photos and it does some correction for vibrations and stuff like that with the built in software that it has. But man, he got, he got a good shot. You can, you can see pink. <laughs> you you can, you can see that it's, it's a pink ish bird that is down there and you can see the general outline of the shape of that bird. So, and, cool. and it was two hours prior to sunrise. So it did better than we expected, but it still wasn't, good enough to have justified if we started at midnight yeah <laughs> so it was like it, it made us feel good that we started at four but it didn't make us feel bad that we didn't start at midnight <laughs> um and so from from there it's still dark um, still completely dark we decided um to kind of follow follow your guys's lead which is kind of our plan anyways to go to yot fatah mm-hmm. and drive around looking for owls um owls and night jars are are possible there and we were hoping which we saw a piece of garbage that we, and we man, we got excited. <laughs> we got excited. It was in the headlights. It wasn't making any noise and it wasn't making any noise because it was a piece of garbage, yeah. but, um, we got, ex- it was at That's the right not height. That's a nice thing to say about a bird. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was at the right height. It was literally the right shape for a, for a night jar sitting on the road. Yeah. Like it had shine on one side of it. The other half of it did not have shine. <laughs> It was like, this is a I, night jar. We were all excited. Like, I feel like I saw that same piece of trash. We we got out. We set up the scope. We looked in the scope. And we were like, oh. and we were so careful. We were like, we drove we drove up so slow to this thing. like, And and we were like, okay, there's a bump in the road right there. We have to stay behind that bump. Because if we go over that bump, the headlights are going to move too much. Yeah. And we'll lose it. That's funny. And so we drove up. We got to the bump and we stopped. And then we carefully, um, we were like, okay, Jeff, you get out. You get out, and so Jeff got out. He's he had a scope in his hand. He very carefully gets out, sets up the scope. And he's like, "Oh, it's nothing." <laughs> and it's like, "No, no, what is it?" And he's like, eh, "It's garbage." And so we walk, we we drive up to it, and it was like a little shiny piece of something that was stuck to a clump of some other garbage that it it just was like it was the perfect shape. It had a lump at the front, shiny in the top of the lump, and then like this tail thing sticking out. Did you all get out and like kick it? Oh man. I wanted to. Oh, stupid trash. But so we, we drove around hoping to hear an owl. Yeah. And that doesn't count. Well, and then see if we could get the head turn the turn the vehicle in such a way to get the headlights yeah. that way. But there there was nothing. We didn't uh, we didn't hear an owl. We didn't see an owl. We didn't hear hear or see night jars. I mean, we covered Yod Fatah pretty well really? and nothing. We we had a hedgehog while there while we were there. Oh, that's yeah. right. You told me that. Yeah, we, we had a hedgehog running. And it was like front the black us. hedgehog. Yeah. Yeah, that was super cool. Those are so cool. It, just, it, it was it was an, it was on a on a mission. It just yeah. like raced across the road and then dove into the bushes and kept on going. Was it really big? It wasn't like super huge. No, I love hedgehogs. It was They're like so cool. it was like size of a softball, maybe a little. Oh, bit that larger was about the softball. same size as the one I saw. Yeah, maybe a little larger than a softball. But I want to see one of those size. England ones that are like the size of like a basketball. <laughs> Monster. <The> Monster. <laughs> Yeah, so that so not, not, nothing there at Yotvata. Um, so then we were like, okay, well, our our objective is sunrise at KM seventy six, yeah. which is a random low spot that is just north of a typically good wadi. So mm-hmm. um, Wadi Shalav is at um, KM seventy two, and it has been okay, but there's been a ton of rain over the last couple of um, couple of weeks, 
last couple of weeks prior to the um, to the competition. So lots and lots of water everywhere, which means the birds can kind of spread around instead of being just restricted to just a few patches of good water mm-hmm. um, that have vegetation and bugs and stuff like that. So KM76 kind of got discovered as like a place that's pretty good um and is right is right next to wadi shalav at 72 so we we were gonna start there and we got another pre-sunrise uh bird we had a white stork that was up on the power nice up up on the tower that's right there the cell phone tower or whatever um still again pre pre pre-sunrise um still got that that one is actually a really relatively good photo of of a bird sitting up on the thing but at that point it was like 550 or something like that before Mm -hmm. it was still before sunrise and we had two. We're like, yes, we have two before sunrise. We are doing good. We're we're cruising along. Um, Camp seventy six was really good. Otherwise, for us, I can't remember what we ended. We ended up with like forty some species by the time we left there. Wow. Um, and that's the counting the flamingo. So mm-hmm. we're probably like early forties, forty one, forty two, something like that. Nice. I I didn't keep super close track. We 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 divvied up our um tasks. The um Austin on our team, his he was keeping track of. Do, do, he was doing a really good job of it too, of keeping track of what we've seen and heard versus what we have photographed mm-hmm. and who has the photograph. Um, so that when we go down to, man, he had like a whole spreadsheet going on. Yeah, ex- exactly. Well, we w- we wanted to make sure, cause we weren't sure in the end how Jonathan was going to quiz us. Cause yeah. at the end, at the end of this big day, we get, you get quizzed. You sit, you sit down oh, in, front of a, in front of a panel. And they go through your entire list, literally bird by bird. You've been up since midnight. You haven't had any coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like quizzing you on birds. And, and then they're like, all right, now we're going to, but they're out there too. It's not, it's not yeah. like they slept in. Cause like we, Yoav and Jonathan are messaging at 1am. Like, I know. They're, they're birding too at the same time as us. So they, there's this committee that you sit in front of and, and you, they go through literally bird by bird and they ask you anything that seems suspect. They're like, okay, this bird can only be seen in this one particular spot. It's only ever seen in the last. So then they'll ask, "So where'd you see that bird?" And if you don't answer that one particular spot, then then you get really questioned. Did you get a photo of it there? Did you get another team on it when it was in that weird location? Yeah. And so, because these these people are they're y- Yoav, Jonathan, um, Alain, These these local birders are fantastic, and they're out every single day. So they know they know where the birds are at. Mm-hmm. They they know generally where you're going to find birds, and where uh, something like a black scrub robin is going to be rare. Like that's. There's things that are rare in certain certain locations. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't know how we were going to get quizzed. That, that Long story short, we didn't know how we were going to get quizzed. So we were like, okay, let's keep track of who has what photo on what phone and so that we can do that. So that, yeah. that was a large part of um, Austin's day. Ended up tracking like, okay, Jeff, Eric, and um, Rob got um, got photos of the the bird or only jeff got a photo of that one but everyone saw it but only jeff got a photo of it or only eric got a photo of it or or whatever which there was there was a lot of them like the swifts and the um swallows and stuff that only one of us got a photo of because i mean it it was basically an accident when when we got photos of those it was basically an accident we'd be trying and then we'd catch catch it in the corner of the frame we'd be like oh thank goodness and we look at it be like (laughs) Well, that's not identifiable. All right, we'll try again, and then we'll catch it in the corner of the other frame, and then oh yes, okay, that is a barn swallow. <laughs> it's like a bir- birds, birds, a birds. Swallow. Well, birds that you guys are like seeing out of your window don't count. Didn't count for us yeah, no. until we put a scope on it and got a photo of it. Which m- many of them were videos that you, we then cut a single frame of the video and pulled that as a photo. Yeah, but it was still like try- trying to get things like swifts and swallows to easy birds that there's eight or nine species that that are that fall within that that most other teams got eight or nine species of that mm-hmm. stuff we got two <laughs> because of that particular parameter we set but it was, it was definitely a challenge it was a lot of fun trying to trying to get that yeah so yeah. at that time when you guys were at like 76 yeah. uh we had just gotten to yuraham lake yeah. right. which is uh further north and is just such a cool birding spot um, you know, it's a lot more extensive than I thought it was. Uh, like I saw a lot more of it this year than oh, really? I did last year. Um, and on the, the, like near the entrance, that's the good spot to look for tits, which I didn't know about. Okay. And so we got a great tit, like right on the way in and then got over to the lake, had, you know, great looks at a common kingfisher. There was a rye neck that was just, <laughs> uh, hanging around. And by that time I was, Eric was messaging me and like, Oh, we've gotten, you know, 41 species. And I was like, I think I could beat them. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> at 
that point, I started taking some film scope pictures. I think I ended up with like 40 or 50. Yeah. Um, which is probably, <laughs> I'm going to get kicked off my team for, for getting distracted, <laughs> for screwing around. Yeah. But, um, we had, yeah. And we had six people on our team. So, I mean, I was kind of up heading up the rear and it was like, everybody's already seen the bird by the time I got to it. You know, yeah. I was trying to do like sweep, trying to find birds that popped up after everybody. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that was a, a, such a good spot. Coots and mallards and a lot of those ducks that you're not going to really see mm-hmm. a lot of those other places. Um, and then kind of as we were walking around in the shrubby area that's along the lake where there's some picnic tables, um, that's usually where you see the Syrian woodpecker. Yeah, the and, the one wood the one actual woodpecker in the playing for, field for the entire playing field. Yeah, and that's the only spot to, to get yeah, it. Yeah, just at Yerohan Lake, and there's only one woodpecker species. And we like kind of heard it. I I kind of wanted my team to go there anyways, <laughs> just for the woodpecker because okay. I wanted I I. I didn't even see one this year. Yeah. I, so, love, I love that woodpecker. It's super so cool. We had, yeah, kind of heard the woodpecker yeah. like off in the trees. Couldn't end up finding it. And then had a few rose ring parakeets flying overhead. Okay. Um, but right after the rose ring parakeets, we had four cuckoos that were just flying around. Like, I don't know what they were doing. They were out. <laughs> like common a, cuckoos? Yeah. They were out and about, like flying through the trees. Like, it was <laughs> so cool. Like, it, First we thought, oh, there's six parakeets, but no, yeah. it just ended up being the cuckoos. The cuckoos, yeah, were <laughs> flying around. So that was really cool because yeah. you know our cuckoos are just so different from like the the old world cuckoos. Yeah. So it was it was great to get a, a good look at them, um, and then kind of on the way out, uh, we <laughs> we had a Eurasian pendulum tit, which we just like <laughs> barely stopped and uh... saw it, which I was just thrilled to see that bird yeah. that is just such a cool looking bird uh, there was also a goat farmer that was like moving their goats through the <laughs> the outskirts of the park yeah um and they had a camel so i got to see a camel which was exciting for me even though I, it was domestic well um, and, and well, i was looking that up like camels are just domestic there is no like of of, of the camels that are being used for uh for this that's all there are for goat herding. Apparently. For goat herding, and 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 there there are no truly really wild. They they were domesticated centuries ago, yeah. and even the wild ones from from what I saw online, even the wild ones are basically, basically domestic. domesticated. It's just they are, happen to be running wild. Well, I was excited about it. No, I know I, um, I was excited to see we we saw some in in over the border in Egypt the day before. Yeah. So, um, but the really cool thing about it was that the. The goat herder, their um, herd scared up a couple of stone curlews. Oh, really? Which are also Eurasian, called Eurasian thick knees, mm-hmm. um, which are a super uncommon sight. Like, we had heard them earlier in the morning because that's usually what you do. You, like, go out and you hear them before sunrise um, calling. But we just had two that were getting pushed along by this goat herder. So that <laughs> was really cool to be able to see those. So I, th- I think I think by, by about this time, so we... So they're up there at um at Yeroham Lake. Um we had just left seventy six. We were headed down when I I think when I messaged Hannah she said, Oh yeah, we're still at uh Yeroham. You guys spent a long time there. Yeah. I feel like That's um, a good spot. because I, I messaged we we went to a couple other spots and um we went to we went to seventy two, we went to the um Wadi Shalav. Um had like two two more species, like a black start and something else mm-hmm. there. Um and then we went all the way down to Yotvata sewage ponds, um back back to Yotvata. This time we went to the sewage ponds during the day, and I messaged you and I'm like, "Oh, we're we're down here," and you're like, "Oh, I'm still at Yerohum," so you you were still still at the lake. We we moved down to our body of water that we were expecting to get a lot of stuff at the the sewage ponds, yeah. and we, and we ended up getting a lot of stuff. We had little grebe. Oh, we that's had... good. It was pretty quiet when we were there. Oh, okay, yeah. So we were there like nine ish in the morning. Yeah, we got there um, at like one. And it it was still pretty hot though, even though we were there relatively early. Um, yeah. We had we had two different uh, bee eaters. We had both the blue throated and the Eurasian. Uh, oh. Nice. Uh, green or the um European, green. the Arabian green um beater. I'm trying to keep keep the Clements and the IOC names straight. Um, um Egyptian goose. We had a handful of um, shorebirds, a couple waders, um, and then Jeff had his fateful incident with uh with the mosquito um flinger, the mosquito flinger guy. So we we were we were having a good time. We're seeing things. Or I, I was I I think I got a picture of a uh, of of a bank swallow um, or 
yeah, big swallow. As it was flying around and got, I was like, oh, nice, I got that. Um, there was a coot, or not a coot, a uh, moorhen that I could not get a photo of because it would not come out of the bushes. <laughs> um, we're standing there all listening to it. Um, so then Jeff goes and decides, I'm going to go walk around this lake real quick. We'll meet up together. Like, cause we, I, it wasn't like a big lake. Like well, we could, we could pond, see right? it. It was a sewage pond. Yeah. yeah. He, so he was going to walk around the edge of the sewage pond and meet his back to see if from the other side, he could get a photo into those bushes. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he goes and does that as he's coming back. We all start walking out and he lingers back a little bit further. And I go around the corner and there's a guy that's uh, dipping for mosquitoes. So he's, he's pulling up bits of water, looking at it, seeing if there's mosquito larvae and, I don't know if this guy really knew what he was doing. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't, I'm not a mosquito dipper. I don't, I don't go and do that sort of thing, but it was like the six foot long stick that he's got with a little cup on the end. He hooks it, looks at it from the end of his arm, plus the six feet of the stick. He's looking at that cup and he's like, okay. And he flings it over his shoulder. He just flings all that water up and over his shoulder out, out to wherever. And when he comes up to me, he's like, mosquitoes, I'm checking for mosquitoes. And then he, 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 he grabs another cup and looks at it literally, it's probably eight feet away from his head is where that, where the cup is. And he looks at it from that distance and flings it over. I'm assuming he made his determination about whatever he found. He goes around the corner to where Jeff's at and I hear him go, mosquitoes. And he does the same thing. And when he flicks it, Jeff had just found, and I turned around and I saw the bird, but I, I, there was no chance I was getting a photo of it. Jeff was on a European turtle dove. And so I was like, oh, and it was last year's species of, uh, yeah. that we were raising money for. It's a beautiful bird, just gorgeous bird that was hunted nearly to extinction. Um, and now it's, now it's trying to make a comeback, um, ba- based on a lot of efforts that have made, been made in conservation. He's got it in the scope. He's, he's getting his camera on it. He's, his phone on it. He's all excited about it. And the guy, as he comes around the corner, mosquitoes, and he flings the water right at the bird. Oh man. And Jeff just about lost it. Like it, it was... He, he was just, he was, he, he lost it. Oh, like, I he, bet he was he was, oh, man, oh my gosh. It was just, he was all over the place and he was, he was not a happy camper. Um, but <laughs> we saw the bird. Yeah. But the, um, the, he was not happy with the guy and yeah. the guy has no idea. Like the, he didn't like yell at the guy. No, he he not. was not rude in any way in the field to this guy. But when he got, when he got back over to us, we could see in his face, like it, he, everything he was doing to contain like. Not to to yell at this guy that came around the corner and was yelling and throwing throwing water at the bird. That <laughs> <laughs> was just it was just teed up perfectly. I know, and such a good bird too. Such a such a gorgeous bird. But um but yeah, was, that that's our big miss for the day. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was hot, like at that point. Like it wasn't it wasn't even really that technically hot for the day. Like yeah. we still had a ways to go for it to get warmer. But we were hot, we were sweaty, and then that happened and we're like I told Jeff, I was like let's let's go get some coffee <laughs> let's so we, we we went back to the main building um at the to the um gift gift store ice cream place mm-hmm. and got some coffee and some scones and, and stuff to to cool down for for a minute <laughs> after that we we did get some really good birds there yeah. it, it was good we, we had a beautiful white-throated kingfisher that teed up perfectly That's and cool. got, got a bunch of videos and photos of this dude and got got some other really cool photos and cool stuff um while we were there so we got our coffee and sandwiches and scones and stuff and um, headed down to Elifaz, um, a reservoir that's a freshwater reservoir that's uh, south of there, another 10 kilometers maybe-ish south of there. Um, I, th- I think you guys were getting to Ben Gurion around then, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love Ben Gurion. It is like the most beautiful... Okay, not the person. Like, I don't really know that much about Ben Gurion. But, but the monument. The monument yeah. is just absolutely the most beautiful place I've ever been. And it was so bizarre when we were there because we, like, you know, there's that grassy area, like, as you're walking the path yeah. out to it. We, like, birded around in that grassy area a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> and this couple, that I was standing there with Lisa, and this couple walked up to us and they were, like, looking at all their stuff and they were like, are you here to film a documentary? I was like, no, we're just looking at birds. And then the guy like shoved his wife at me and he's like, take a picture with these people. And it's like, we're not characters. <laughs> like, so I take have, a picture of these people doing the silly thing out here. I, there's somebody in Israel that has a random picture of me standing there with his wife on his camera. 
Um, you okay, know, then. The, the things you see in these places. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, we we walked through that grassy area, got a couple uh, things in there, and then wandered out to the edge of the monument, which has this incredible overlook of just the most beautiful canyons. Like, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. but I just imagine, like, how can the Grand Canyon be more magnificent than this? Yeah. It is just beautiful. And there was... Um, an back, like oh, really? on one of the cliffs that wasn't too far away. And so I got a really good picture through my, my scope. I, yeah. I did just scope a did picture scope of it. it. You're supposed to be and, looking at birds. What are you doing? And had a baby with it. So that was <laughs> exciting. Um, really the only bird that we got there were common ravens and that's like mm. the only place to get common ravens. So yeah, we got that, um, hit the bathroom and then yeah. headed back down. Okay. There. Yeah. You, did you guys stop at Elifaz reserve? I don't think so. Uh, or reservoir, sorry. Okay, so the um, it's a it's a kind of kind of interesting. It's not really far off the road at all. You just kind of kind of go over. It's rubber lined um, reservoir that's uh, just full of water. Just a big pond that's full of water. Um, great cormorants. Um, we had a spoonbill there. Um, we had an osprey fly over while we were there. Cool. So it was some interesting birds there. But it was it was a really quick stop because there's not any habitat. It's is just just the water. So whatever you see on the water, it's a really quick scan, five minutes maybe at max. Yeah. Scan across, see if there's anything new, and then get the heck on the road and move on to the next stop. Which the next stop was only like I think Elifaz is like at kilometer twenty four or mm -hmm. twenty five. So you're you're already almost to the Flamingo Ponds at KM twenty. Yeah. So we but to get to Elifaz, it was we got four new species for the day photographed, but it's two U turns to deal with it. So it, it adds a lot of time with like making U-turns and driving yeah, back logistics. and forth. Logistically, it's difficult to get to, but we lucked out and it worked out pretty good because we got, we got the four species just boom, 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 and then got back on the road. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, we didn't kill too much time doing that. But then we moved down to KM20 to the Flamingo Ponds and it was about noon. Smelly. Yeah. Sure. Hot. Sure. And, uh, and it it wasn't super busy with birds but it was it was relatively busy with birds um we got things like the um we got things like the curlew and um we had we did not have the um oh the kentish plover the Ken, or we we did have a kentish plover oh. um but we there was the other, the other plover that was kind of reddish that um oh the greater sand plover um we did not have a greater greater sand plover unfortunately that day but um but we had we had all the the normal suspects um, there we got much better photos and videos of the flamingos, mm -hmm. but at this, <laughs> but but at this time, this is when, um, like literally, this is when we figured when we heard through all of our social media channels as we were doing stuff about the airport getting shut down because mm -hmm. of the protests. Um, because in at, at the at the time of all of this happening is when uh, um, Netanyahu was trying to push forward, um, with, uh, judicial reforms mm -hmm. in, uh, in Israel, which would, uh, which would significantly impact, um, the whole way that the justice system works. And it was being protested very heavily. Um, and on the day of the competition was the biggest day of protests and the airport got closed. Um, all of the restaurants that were owned by American companies were closed. And so all of a sudden roads are getting closed. The, there, we were getting messages all throughout the day of like, oh, this is closed, that's closed, this closed. Um, we don't know when the airport's reopening. And so w our team got kind of distracted. I think any any team coming from out of the country got, got a little distracted from the logistics of what's going to happen over the next couple of days to be able to get home. And mm -hmm. then I'm sh I'm, I know all of the locals were distracted. So everyone was equally distracted. So there wasn't <laughs> anything in competition, but the, the locals were definitely distracted with how it, how is what's happening in the government going to impact us? Because sure. whatever whatever happens, the locals that live in Israel are going to have to deal with like yeah. the, the ramifications of whatever comes down from Netanyahu and whatever comes down from the parliament and all that stuff. So for us as visitors, the biggest impact was our logistics getting in and out of the country. Yeah. For them, it's how how are they going to live their lives? Cool. Of course, and, and global politics. Global I mean, politics it impacts and, and, everyone. It impacts everybody, but so it, we, we, everyone was distracted at some level, and so we while we were at KM twenty is when they shut down the airport. So that was all. All of a sudden, um, two of our team members, their um, significant others, were calling them and asking them what's going on, and so we we got we ended up uh, not uh, not getting as many birds as we probably could have because <laughs> uh, like half of our team was just on the phone like 
while we were at KM20, like talk, talking to their to their loved ones back home, like it's fine. There's nothing going on here. Most of the protests are up north. Um, but wow. we did. But we did see the walking team. I didn't get any calls from my mom. She didn't ask me <laughs> if we were going to get home. Yeah. No, we we got home though. She didn't care. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> um, but while we were there, we saw the walking team. So there was That's a cool. there was a team that they started at midnight or close to it at the beach in uh, Ilat, and then they walked up to KM20. They got there around noon, because that's when we were there. It took them until noon to get there. Sure. And then we saw them again in the evening at the beach. So they walked at least 40 kilometers, probably, definitely more, because they had to go into some of these sites and wander around inside the sites. But they walked at least 40 kilometers within a 24-hour time frame. I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of being a green team <laughs> that we fly around the world That's to true. get there, and then and then and then we're green for one day. We'll it kind of kind of defeats the purpose of like calling yourself the green team. We'll just compete from here. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're competing. We're just doing it very green. We're here. Yeah. Um, but for them, they 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 live in country, and so they sure. they were able to um ride ride the bus and get rides because last year um I we ended up giving uh giving a ride to some people because like they were they were the green team because they were truly hitching rides places and then during the day of competition they were just on foot and then yeah. after no, the competition they oh they you were they were on bikes yeah, yeah. Right. but then after the competition they just hitched rides places and rode the bus and so it's like they were truly being green like the whole time so yeah we'll just get on a tanker that's already going over there anyways <laughs> it's already going okay uh, yeah so 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 yeah noonish we let or twelve thirty one o'clock we left uh cam 20 had headed south yeah, about, and about that time we got to KM seventy six, and yeah. you know got on the larks and buntings. You guys are lagging behind us way back at seventy six. We're already up to twenty. I know, and then <laughs> Stone Chat um, had that there. Uh, we stopped by Yotvata Sewage Ponds for the your Egyptian goose because mm-hmm. that's the place to get it. As Eric mentioned, you know, there's some of these things that only one place you can see it. Um, and then we got down to the IBRCE mm-hmm. and, uh, Noam, who's the director there, you know, yeah. he made the proclamation the day before, like, Hey, if you guys, uh, if anybody wants somebody from the banding team or the, the you know, the ringers yeah. to join them for the day, you know, you can pick somebody up and they'll go out with you. So, um, Noam just gave us a walk, you know, around okay. to see some of the different stuff that was there. Had great looks at the collared Pratt and Calls, which are so cool. Yeah. They're such an interesting bird. Um, and so, yeah, we kind of, I mean, we were there closer to sunset than you guys were. Yeah. So, like, speaking of, like, getting close to sunset, like, we we knew sunset was our cutoff. Mm-hmm. Like, we were not going to be able to bird past sunset, even if we wanted to continue birding past sunset, because we're just trying to get photos. Sure. So, we, we by that time, it's getting it was getting to dinner time. We were hitting the wall. We just needed to get something to eat. So, we stopped at Ophira Park in downtown. Um, ended up getting a couple species, like city species, yeah. starlings and... Uh, the rosering parakeets and minas and stuff like that. Um, but we, we, we were kind of, we were getting there. We went, went back and did all of our math at that point. We we're like, okay, so what are we at? And we were, we were at 90 species and Dang. we were like, we need we're like 90 species photographed. So we were like, we need, we need to t- step it up like that. Getting something to eat at, uh, at the bakery next to the hotel so after we got that, we we realized 100 is within 100 was our goal. That was our initial goal in the first place. So we were like, okay, we can do this. We have so many species left on the table. We have pied kingfisher. We still hadn't seen. We had no gull species at this point. We were there. There was a lot of easy picking species that we could we could still get. We just had to get into the right habitat with the right light and yeah. and get them. So we were like, all right, let's go to the beach. Let's hit the beach. And see what that gets us, because I mean, four, I mean three, three or four species of gulls, no problem at the beach. Like every every day, every evening, they're flying by. So yeah. we're like, let's let's go do that. So we, we headed out there and we got two species of of gulls and nothing else. It was it was still did too you get early. The reef heron. We did not get the reef heron. We didn't see it either. We we were we were there slightly too early, I think, for gulls. So we may have messed up our timing a little bit. We probably should have gone to IBRCE first and then back out to the beach. But we went to the beach. Um, hindsight's 2020 like when you're constantly looking at this but we so we headed the beach first and we were up to like 92 i think 92 or 93 species um at that point we're like all right let's let's we need to power through so we we 
turned around and we booked it back north. We started headed back to IBRCE, got a citrine wagtail on the way. And um, I think that's when we got our only um, common sandpiper for the day was was there in the ditch on the way back to IBRCE. Mm -hmm. And then we got into IBRCE and literally it was sunset at that point. Like the sun had passed below the below the um, the mountains over on the the ridge on the west of us. So we were at that. It was like it was go time. We were like, we need to we need to get this. We, we need to get a pike kingfisher. We had three pike kingfishers flying. We had mallards flying. We had we had birds around us. But the light was just like not there, and we're. It was just like ah, we we can't get them in flight. We have to get them perched. We have yeah. to get them perched or standing. Otherwise, they're moving too fast for the slow shutters. And so we ended up getting a couple more. Um, we got wood sandpiper that was standing still. We got pied kingfisher. We had a mallard that was still. So l literally, the last bird that we had for the day was the pied kingfisher. We had three of them flying around. They were they were doing a thing, but we we couldn't photograph them. When they finally landed, we finally got the last bird, and that brought us to ninety six species. So. I thought I thought we did I thought we did good. It was it was rough. There was a lot of a lot of those photos that uh, I, I think my phone had like 300, 400 photos on it. I think Jeff probably had significantly more than that. I think Rob had close to that many on his. Uh, he had a DSLR on a, on a straight straight body. I'm, I'm sure he had at least that many on on his. Um, but yeah, ninety six unique species photographed through through digiscopes for our big day. Well, and like I said, we kind of finished up at the IBRCE on our way out. We got a flyover of the lesser white-fronted goose. Oh, nice. Which is like, you know, the one that people go there to see um, <laughs> that's there. And then it flies into Jordan, like, in the evenings. Um, but, yeah, collared Pratt and Calls there, like I said. Pied Kingfisher, Kentish Plovers. And then we headed out to the North Beach for those goals and, and ducks and things that you guys didn't get a chance to, I know. to we, see. I think we were there just a little bit too early. Yeah, so we finished up there. There's a great group of folks out there that were kind of uh, standing around watching the sunset for the for the day, the yeah. competition. And uh, we got some dinner to tabulate the checklist and came up with 139 species. Nice. So, of course, uh, the next day was the award ceremony. I thought we had a group picture at the North Beach and then over to the IBRCE, the Birding Center in a lot, for... Um, breakfast and for uh awards so that was that's always so much fun you know to kind of go through war stories with everybody and <laughs> that's really where you get a chance to to meet other folks um and you know they awarded everyone the team who saw the most species was the wrens that yes. are a local team in israel and that one i think is so cool that it's a family. It's like a, a man and his two adult sons. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, what they get? 180 some species? Oh gosh, 181? Something like that. Yeah. Like it was, it's up there. It's, uh, it's up there for a, for a full day in the desert. Like uh, that's a lot of species. And then our team, my team won for the most funds raised, um, which is about $14,000. And then the team that spread the most buzz, which I thought was really cool. It was a youth team. Um, based you know out of uh jerusalem i think mm -hmm. that i can't remember the name it was vortex something or other scrub robins maybe they were? Yeah. but um yeah they won the most buzz raise because they were drawing pictures and selling them to fundraise <laughs> and so you know that created a lot of buzz so it was very exciting you know it's all to benefit conservation and the red-breasted goose uh it's such a fun competition and uh if Israel wasn't so far away, you know, I'd have it on my list <laughs> to do every year. <laughs> so as we mentioned, you know, we really think a lot about um, bird life Israel and about the competition itself because it does raise a lot of money. It brings a lot of, you know, um, views of conservation and benefits conservation and also puts it on, you know, a real global scale because the, con the money that's being fundraised for this, uh, red-breasted geese don't, you know, occur in Israel. No. And, you know, the money that's being raised for it is going to some of their partner organizations that are doing work to benefit species that, you know, we hope to see at some point in our life, but, you know, or it, I, I really but we had like, no chance of seeing it during yeah, the race. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I really feel like it's like an altruistic effort, you know, to do this. So. Well, it's, it's back to your existence value that you you bring up. Um, we, we give a couple of presentations, and one of them you hammered in that the existence value is real, and the existence value is strong in, in many people of the fact that something exists is enough for it to need to continue existing. It's not, it doesn't need, I, I don't need to benefit directly by seeing and or 
making money from a thing. Just the fact that it exists, the fact that a red-breasted goose exists in the world is enough. Like and we want to do stuff to It exists for a reason and what, what, it's not my it's not my call to say it shouldn't exist anymore. And I think making sure that things like that are not de-existed because of people is is extremely important. And existence value. <laughs> yeah. So um thanks again to Bird Life Israel for putting on this fun competition and for our teams for putting up with us and of course to COA for sponsoring both our teams. Yes. Um for this concert the conservation effort. You know, we really appreciate the the work that goes into the you know that COA supports us in this. So thank you to all. Yeah, and thank you guys all for listening to our podcast all about uh, BirdLife Israel and the Champions of the Flyway. We hope you learned something and or um, enjoyed it. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Music. Um, anywhere that you listen to us, um, you can connect with us on socials um, throughout lots of different social medias. Um, follow us on at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram, um, at We Go Birding on Twitter. Uh, follow our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. Check out our website, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Uh, our TikTok is at We Go Birding. Um, and we have basically at Hannah and Eric Go Birding slash We Go Birding gets us is pretty much everywhere. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hate, and share us with your friends. Uh, uh,